This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners, and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this week's episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 26th of December to the 1st of January. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzy. Um, we're into the Christmas week, into the New Year sort of thing. Oh, gosh. Mm. Oh, I'm, oh, gosh. I can't believe it's nearly the end of the year. Good grief. I know. It goes so quickly. You blink and then suddenly you're in 2023. <laughs> well, we've got a few things to actually look out for, and, and a lot of them are in the evening sky. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I shouldn't really say that. I'm an astronomer. I should be used to getting up at any time of the night sort of thing. But uh, well, we start off obviously with the 26th of December, Boxing Day, and look over mm-hmm. towards the southwest as twilight is ending and you'll spot the crescent moon. This time it lies below Saturn and both are in Capricornus. Now, binoculars will enhance the Earth's shine effect on the moon where light bounces off our planet's atmosphere and reflected off the dark side of the moon, making the features faintly visible. So well worth having a look at that. So we mentioned this the other week sort of thing when it's in the morning sky. We'll get the evening sky as well. A telescope will really enhance the view. And don't forget the Saturn's rings. So if you have got family over for Christmas sort of thing, you know, and you've got a new telescope, get it pointed at Saturn. It's in the evening sky. This is perfect. And get (laughs) them looking at the rings of Saturn because they will be absolutely gobsmacked. I always think that Saturn's rings and the moon's craters are the two things that really get the wow from people. I do get people really excited about Jupiter and they can see the moons, and if they see the belts, they're really excited. But, of course, they all expect to see the great red spot in huge detail. (laughs) And, and unfortunately, it doesn't quite work like that with amateur astronomy. You know, quite deep photographs work, but uh, otherwise, visually, it's quite uh, quite dull. Especially if it's on the wrong side of the planet when you're (laughs) looking at it. But that gives you a chance to explain, well, the planet rotates in 10 hours. So Mm. if you want to wait five hours... (laughs) (laughs) it might rotate into view but seeing Saturn's rings that has to be one of the memorable moments when you first look through a telescope certainly was with Mm. mine sort of thing gobsmacked I had a little 60 mil refractor you know Whenever you you ask people, it was like, what was the, the 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 your first memory of being absolutely stunned by a view through a telescope and by far the number one is the rings of Saturn yeah definitely okay Now we move on to the 27th to the 29th. Now, over the next few days, keep an eye on Saturn because what it's doing, it is slowly moving against the backdrop of the stars and it's moving. I always like to use right and left because that's nice and simple. Everybody can understand that. Mm. It is moving to the leftwards 
uh, on that side. And so as it does so, it glides above Gamma Capricorni. Now, it also makes a triangle. On the 28th, it forms a triangle, almost a right-angle triangle, with Gamma and Delta Capricorni as well. So I like these steady, slow motions. It shows the planets are moving quite slow. You get something like Mars, it moves quite fast against the backdrop of stars. When you move further out, you see the distance starts to really have an effect on its motion. But you can still see the motion of Saturn even over these few days as it moves past these two stars. So that's on the 27th to the 29th. Um, it gradually, keep, keep an eye on it as we move into next year as well, because it will eventually move past Delta Capricorni as well. So still with the 28th, the 28th, our moon keeps the attention because it lies under Neptune. Now, you've got to remember, of course, Neptune really needs binoculars or a small telescope to actually view. So the prominent thing will be Jupiter. Now, Jupiter's moving away from Neptune, so the gap's getting bigger. So the gap between the moon and Jupiter now is bigger because Neptune's playing a bit of a triangle, actually, between them. But the next evening, December the 29th, the almost half phase is not quite, not quite, First quarter, it's almost half-phase moon, lies to the lower left of Jupiter itself and a lot closer. So I always think so on the 28th, although we say it's below Neptune, the fact is you can't see Neptune with the naked eye. What you will see is to the far upper left, Jupiter compared with the moon, so to the upper left of the moon. But worth looking around with binoculars, you might pick out Neptune as well sort of thing. And of course, you've got to remember, that's the last planet. We're in the last days of the year. Have a look at the last planet mm -hmm, in exactly. the solar system, or at least the last official planet, we should say, since poor Pluto got demoted. Ah, The last major planet. Last major planet, exactly. Meanwhile, on the 29th, we can keep to the actual evening sky, but in the deep twilight. And on the 29th, Mercury and Venus are pretty much at their closest for the end of the year. They're only one and a half degrees apart. That's three mm. moon widths, because if you remember, the moon is about a half a degree in diameter on average when we look at it. But catch them quickly, because remember, they are setting quite quickly in the bright evening twilight. They don't stay around. They're not hanging around, Ezzy, so, you know, don't waste time. And mm -hmm. make sure you have an uncluttered southwest horizon because they are critical because they are so low down in the sky. But they're one and a half degrees apart. I love it when you see them together, to be honest. I, I, I love getting pictures of them when they're close together because mm -hmm. it doesn't happen every year. And as we're, we're looking forward to next year, um, Venus will actually be making a close approach to all of the major planets within the solar system. Um, well, uh, with Mer except for Mercury, which it's doing right at the tail end of 2022. So if you do want to, to catch Venus as it goes past all of the planets, do be sure to catch this one at the beginning. That'll be something really worth looking forward to, sort of thing, because these close encounter with the other planets, sort of thing, it's got to happen at the right time of year, but it's well worth keeping an eye on that. Now, as 2022 draws to a close and 2023 begins, we've still got that brilliant red object in the sky, Mars, and it is slowly moving through Taurus. Now, Mars is now moving to the right. It's retrograded. So as it does so, it is moving through Taurus in the evening sky. So it's quite, you know, nine o'clock. Give it, give it a chance to get it reasonably high in the sky so you get a good view of it. But this blazing red planet. So on the 30th to the 1st of January, so the 30th of December to the 1st of January, 
It forms a triangle with Messier 45, the Pleiades star cluster, the seven sisters. Again, a reminder sort of thing. See how many you can see. Now the moon's reasonably out of the way. You see again how many you can actually count in the Pleiades. Um, it forms a triangle though, uh, with Messier 45, the Pleiades and Aldebaran. And between Mars and Aldebaran, there's also the Hyades star cluster. I mean, Aldebaran looks as if it's part of that cluster, but we know now it's half the distance. It's not actually physically associated with the Hyades star cluster. Now, Mars is red. Aldebaran is red, or an orangey-red colour. Slightly different brightnesses. Mars is minus 1.2 magnitude, whereas Aldebaran is plus 0.8. But compare and contrast the colour of Mars with Aldebaran. And I think you'll find Mars is definitely the redder of the two. But it'd be interesting to see what people think. So yeah, do contact us at the magazine to let us know which is the brightest. I always like it when they, this happens mm. when we get Mars close to Antares, which is in the, uh, that is currently in the morning sky sort of thing. So Mars can't be close to it at the moment. But when Mars is close to Antares, I always like to compare the colours. And so in the winter sky, we've actually got not just Aldebaran, of course, but later on, we'll actually, when we get into next year, we'll also have a long distance view, but it'll be Betelgeuse that you can compare it with as well. But at the moment, Aldebaran, compare the colours, see what you think, which is the redder of the actual two. Now, we like a challenge, and we mentioned this a few times, so let's concentrate on this. The final challenge, as we move into 2023, how many stars of the Pleiades can you actually see with the naked eye? Not telescope, not binoculars, don't use it. See with the naked eye. It doesn't matter if you wear spectacles, you can try it with spectacles as well. Seven is the classically known number, the seven sisters, hence the common name, the seven sisters. Mm -hmm. Some people see six. Sort of things. If you've got poor eyesight, you might see two or three. It does vary from individual to individual. Everybody's eyes are different, as you know, we, we, we forget this. Even if you don't wear glasses, we all have slightly different perception. We can see slightly better or slightly fainter than each other. My view before I wore glasses, I could see 11. That was the best I ever did. Really pitch black night. I got 11. Mm. Um, before I started needing spectacles. Now I generally get the seven. Sometimes it's eight. So I do actually see eight, but spectacles add a layer of glass, you see, so it dims them very slightly. But I talked to Pete Lawrence some years ago when we did, when we were doing the Northern Lights together and we were commenting about the number of Pleiades we can count. And I said, well, I've, I've seen 11. And he said, well, Paul, I've seen 15. I mean, that is remarkable, isn't it? It doesn't break mm. the record. Apparently the record is somebody in Arizona who could count 18 with the naked eye. Yeah. But then that's Arizona. <laughs> Arizona has some very, very dark skies. I've been lucky enough to to be to Arizona at, and, and go to one of the, the sort of out of the way places. And it's there's a reason why Kit Peak, uh, which is a big astronomical observatory complex, is in Arizona. It's very, very dark there. Um, and also, I think to get up to 18, you probably have, it's probably somebody with particularly good eyesight as well. Exactly. So a combination of the two. They do say, actually, the younger you are, the more sensitive you are. And mm -hmm. I have noticed a difference as I've aged that I'm yeah. not seeing quite as faint as I used to. I mean, I could see um, Uranus with the naked eye when it was uh, against a fairly blandish area sky as it was moving through sort of Capricornus and Aquarius. And, of course, it's up now in Aries. So, But now I wear spectacles. So I've tried and I suspected 
Uranus with the naked eye with my spectacles. But um, until you put your binoculars up, that's the key. Put your binoculars up. Keep your gaze on the spot that you think is Uranus. Bring your binoculars up and you see it. And the same thing with this. You can con convince yourself which stars are which. If you look with the naked eye, then have a pair of binoculars and bring them up. Don't change your gaze. Keep them fixed on the Pleiades. Bring them up. And I think you'll find the difference is amazing because you could see at least 50 to 100 stars, depending on the binoculars you've actually got. And obviously, I would always recommend, if you're going to use binoculars anyway, put them on a tripod. You mm -hmm. gain a full magnitude of faintness. You see stars that are full magnitude fainter if you put it on a tripod because you don't have all that moving around with the actual typical bodily functions of something called breathing, <laughs> <laughs> which is very vital, isn't it, Ezzy? We've got to, we've got to breathe, but it does mean you don't realise how much you jiggle when you're doing that. So there you are. So a challenge with the naked eye and binoculars. And of course, if you use a telescope, you're going to see hundreds. There's about 230 to 250 actual members to the Pleiades. So uh, there's a lot of stars there to play about with. But start off with the naked eye and then progress from there and see how many you can count so that you can round off the ears and see if you can beat me, Pete, and this person in Arizona. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Paul, for taking us through your recommendations for the coming week. Um, and if anybody at home wants to make sure that they get next week's recommendations, please be sure to subscribe to the Star Diary podcast. But just to go back over what you can expect to see, on the 26th of December, the crescent moon will be passing by Saturn. It's a great chance to see some Earth shine, so look out for that. And then on the 27th to the 29th of December, Saturn will be passing by the Gamma Capricorni, bright star. On the 28th, the moon's going to lie just under Neptune. Tune uh, with Jupiter to its left. So great chance to see uh, one of the brightest planets and the dimmest planet. Then on the 29th of December, there's going to be the closest approach of Mercury and Venus. They're going to get within one and a half degrees of each other. So that's a great chance to see two planets next to each other. And then finally, on the 30th to the 1st of January, Mars is going to be near the Pleiades, which is a great chance to to take a look at this uh, spectacular thing in the night sky. Um, but it'll also be close to the red star Aldebaran. So if you want to compare the red star and the red planet, that's a good chance to do that. So some great astronomical sites to uh, ring in the end of the year and, and bring in the new one. So hopefully our listeners at home will be able to see some of those. Well, all it remains for us to say is Happy New Year to you, Ezzy. I hope we have a great year to come with lots of star events and sky events to actually look forward to. And the same to you, Paul. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. Thank you.